Ag State of Mind, episode 40. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows. Hello, welcome back to Ag State of Mind. I'm your host, Jason Meadows, and we are a proud member of the Global Ag Network. Today on the show, we wrap up our series on beef producers and speaking to my friend, Michelle Patton. Michelle owns Patton Bookkeeping and Consulting. They're a, uh, it's an ag-specific bookkeeping service that she has. Um, she's from Broadus, Montana, but she is also a member of her family's cow-calf operation, and they do some direct-to-consumer sales and some really neat stuff. We actually got put together through some mutual friends, through former guests of this show, uh, Mary Jo Ehrman and Clay Conry. She was on both of their podcasts, and I'd reached out to Michelle and talked to her about my own finances and things, and, you know, she has this, it's just a really important thing. Um, I think a lot of times when we talk about mental health, we talk about the emotions, and we talk about um, how we're feeling, and all those things are super important, and I'll be the first to tell you to recognize your feelings and how important they are, but to kind of get at the root of those feelings and maybe kind of tackle things that are causing some of your stresses. And I know for me in the past, finances, and even not even in the past, even still now, and I'm sure in the future, finances are something that kind of triggers my mental health and triggers my uh, anxiety to a degree. And being able to get a better grip on that and being able to have good solutions to that is key into managing our mental health. And Michelle, that is kind of Michelle's goal with that is she is wanting to help ranchers and farmers be successful in managing their finances on their farm and ranch operations. And um, it was actually kind of a mutual thing that we came together and had this idea that, you know, yeah, we should absolutely talk about these things because it's it's so important to, to get to the root of these problems. And, you know, I think Michelle does a really wonderful job. She just welcomed their third child into the world. So she is a busy woman. And uh, I'm, I'm very proud to have her on the podcast and have her out in front of our audience so people may be able to reach out to her. Um, Before we get started today, make sure you listen to the entire interview until the end because I have a really special announcement about our guest next week. Um, I'm really, really excited for this one and you're not going to want to miss this one. This is going to be one that you are going to want to tell all your friends about and I'd really like to get it out to the masses because I feel like it's one of the most important episodes that I've recorded. So, Michelle, Without anything further, thanks for coming this on is today. my I really episode you and joining me on this Michelle and Patton. decided to have a conversation with you. It's been kind of a long time in the making. Yes, it has. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm really excited to be here and uh, glad we could finally make this happen. Sure, sure. So I think the first time I heard you is you were on actually episode two guest, Mary Jo Ehrman of this podcast. You were on her podcast, the Farming yes. the Bank podcast. And that's when I initially reached out to you. You and I got to know each other. Then you were on Clay's podcast, the Working Cows podcast, which has been a huge influence for me in getting started. Um, he was actually episode 11. <laughs> uh, I highly recommend everyone go and find your episode on each of their 
each of their respective podcasts too, because they were such great, full of such great information. So, but I want to, I want you to give your, give you the opportunity to tell everybody about, about yourself, about your family, about, you know, how you grew up and, you know, what you're doing now. And uh, we'll go from there. Sure. Yeah. So I was raised actually in a farm family. I'm like a fourth plus generation farmer. Uh (laughs) My family actually has a bit of a background in um, the dairy industry. And I grew up in northern Minnesota up until I was 13. And then we moved to Montana. And that's when we kind of started on the beef side of things. So always been cow people, but now we're in the beef beef industry. And I um, married... (laughs) a guy that I went to high school with actually. I never thought something like that would happen to me. And so we, we live here where we graduated from high school and live on his dad's ranch. And so we were very involved in the, the beef ranch now. And we also sell and market farm to table beef, grass fed beef. And then the other thing that I do is I am a bookkeeper and business consultant for farmers, ranchers, agribusiness owners, And so I work with clients all over the country, helping them to, you know, really improve their systems and processes and figure out where they are in their business financially, and then what we can do to help them uh, to improve their finances. You have a really interesting business and something that I feel like is pretty unique because you know when you think of doing the books as a as as a farmer you i think automatically goes to you think of an accountant and that's not you i mean am i am i hearing that correct yes yeah i am sort of like the in between the accountant and the client you know a lot of accountants are too busy to actually help with any of the hands on bookkeeping the actual recording of transactions and honestly a lot of them are too busy to even help with the business consulting side of things which is a shame because they do have so much knowledge and insight and and so my background is in accounting i have my accounting degree i'm just not a cpa mm-hmm. so i find that i am kind of bridging the gap between what the tax preparers and CPAs do and what the client actually needs. So, so where, where did this idea to start this business? I mean, obviously you had some sort of inkling it when, when you were going through college or else you wouldn't have went through school to school for that, but uh, you know, to kind of do the way you're doing and really focus on agriculture. I mean, obviously you have the background, so I mean, there's that, but what role did that play in, you know, the, in the decision-making of going forward with that? Yeah. So I, um, well, actually after I had my first daughter, I was working for a CPA office here in um, Broadus where I live. And I had fully intended on going back to work, but in the back of my mind, I just wasn't really sure. And after I had her, I decided that I wouldn't, you know, go back to a normal nine to five job, but I still felt like I wanted something, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of a busybody, So I like to stay busy. So I was like, okay, well, I've kind of always wanted to start helping people with their bookkeeping. And I've actually at that point had some people reach out to me and I'd help them with different things, setting up their QuickBooks and, you know, just doing different like year end bookkeeping type things. So it just, you know, seemed natural. People were already coming to me before I even had a business. And I originally started taking on clients in all different industries. I worked for some farmers and ranchers, but I also had a client who owned a gas station and a client who owned a hotel. And 
it was when I started working with all these different people that I realized the people I loved working with were the farmers and ranchers and the people who owned these agribusinesses. So I kind of decided to step away from those other industries and really just focus on who I call my people, you know, which is, mm-hmm. which is my, which is farmers and ranchers. And they're just the people I love working with. They're the people I love serving. So it kind of just, it was a very intentional decision to switch to that niche and to really start marketing directly to those type of people. So. It, isn't that fun when you can be able to serve the people that you care the most about? You know, like that, I, I feel like that's a big part of where this podcast came from is serving people in a unique way that you are qualified to do, but tailor it to the people that are most special to you. Yeah, I've really loved it. And, you know, just growing up in a farm ranch family, it's like, these are the people that I know best and I've lived what they're living, you know, and I still do to this day. We're still, we're still ranchers and it just gives me so much joy to be able to help these people. And something that I found with a lot of my clients is they're like, well, I have a great CPA or I have a good bookkeeper, but they don't know what I'm doing. You know, they don't know when I go to the feed store and buy feed that it's actually feed. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's just, that's something that myself and the rest of my team too, we all have this insight into what it's like to live the agriculture business and what the expenses would look like, what the income would look like, would look like. So in that way we can do it a lot more efficiently than your average accountant or bookkeeper because we, you know, we know exactly what, what's happening. So. Sure. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it makes such a difference when you can speak the language and Mm -hmm. there's a level of trust there when you can speak that language and people will not, you know, they'll take you more seriously or they'll take you closer to their heart, what you say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe, uh, you know, more willing, open to suggestions and which has to make your, your role a little bit easier. It really does. Yeah. When I have a client who, you know, they know that we know exactly what they're doing and we have so much insight into their business and I suggest something or we go through our business planning meetings and, Um, you know, we kind of bounce ideas off of each other. They just have so much more trust in me that, you know, I'm, I'm come from a place that I can actually be helping them. And the other thing too, is with me working with so many different people, I've really had this great opportunity to see all the different ways that people run a farm or ranch business. And Mm -hmm. it gives me a lot of insight to see what is really working for people and what's maybe not working so well and use that to, to also help them as well. Yeah. I mean, so you're kind of learning yourself along the way and, you know, maybe sharpening your skills a little bit by helping other people. And that's, that's wonderful. Yeah. Just as a business owner myself, you know, with my business that I have bookkeeping and consulting and then also our, our ranch, I've learned so much and I've met so many amazing people and I've been introduced to so many different, you know, methods and, you know, just things that kind of always keep me thinking and learning. And I, I don't ever want to pretend like I know everything because I definitely don't. So just as I'm just naturally like a lifetime learner. So it's been, it's been great for me to be able to experience that you know, learning from so many different people. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk to you about your business and, or about not necessarily your business, but your approach and how it can, obviously a lot of farmers, ranchers, people involved in agriculture, a lot of their mental stresses and, you know, things associated that 
comes a lot of times stem from financial problems. And I want to talk to you about that, about how you have seen, you know, maybe maybe some on each side, some maybe some failures, some success stories, and you know how getting a grip on your finances can really improve your mental health. Yeah. So I would say most of the time when a client comes to us, it's because they're in kind of a questionable questionable place financially. Mm-hmm. You know, they're starting to realize that like, wow, I have no idea what our finances are. I don't know how much money we made. I don't know how to get out of this giant hole of debt. Um, and so they're pre- almost always coming to us from a very vulnerable place. And so we always try to respect that and just understand that it's not easy to ask for help. And, right. um, you know, we appreciate that they come to us and ask for help. And so that's really great. But, you know, we've, I've found that honestly, just acknowledging where you're at financially, whether it's really good or maybe not so good, that's just like the starting point to improving things. And for us, that just starts with monthly bookkeeping and monthly financial statements. I mean, it truly is as simple as that. We provide a lot more services than that, but I think on a basic level, if I can provide that to a client, it's going to to give them a lot of clarity as to where they're at. Literally knowing the exact amount of dollars that you owe to the bank, that's pretty powerful for people. And knowing how much money you've made on average over the last five years, that's something that most farmers and ranchers couldn't even tell you. So we really just start simple because, you know, that's what people need. Yeah, it has to be a simple process for for people to even approach it because, uh, and I'll admit, finances are a scary thing and it's a thing that you would just rather talk about later and then later comes and then you want to talk about it even later and then I'll, before you know it, it's too late. But getting a grip on them before they become a problem and while there's still something that is manageable to do about them, yeah. and that's super important. Yeah. And it, you know, it's one of those things where the fear and the avoidance, it just causes people to, to not act, you know, they just, they don't even know what to do. So, you know, we like to help them put together kind of an action plan and decide what are the next steps and how are we going to get there? So one thing that, and this is something I'm going through to an extent is a transition from, from one generation to the next. And, you know, that can be extremely taxing on both sides of that transition from from the ones passing down and from to the receiving ones and to make sure that you know all the finances all the books are in order everything is done the way that it's supposed to that can absolutely um, be a make or break thing when you're passing it down yeah you're exactly right there and that's something that we are very passionate about is helping people to ensure that if that's what they want, if they want to be able to pass that branch on to the next generation, that they can actually make that happen, you know, um, and helping them make a plan to ensure that they, you know, they have other retirement options or they know what they want to sell the farm for to a, you know, a child or something like that. But something that I found is that is sometimes it's hard for the older generation to really be completely honest about what has been happening financially, you know, if things are maybe not as good as, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they had mm-hmm. led, their, led their kids on to believe. So yeah, I think that it is very important to be 
as open and honest about the situation. And because, you know, you don't want to leave your kids something that's, you know, they can't possibly make profitable or that's got so much debt that it would never work for them. So I do think that it's so important in that transition to have everyone on the same page. And honestly, just sometimes having a third party in there to say, you know, this is what I'm seeing. And, you know, I'm going to verify that this is accurate. And, you know, I want to help you guys to make this transition and make it as smooth as possible. And, you know, just kind of help them work through it. Yeah. So I was on a, I was on a panel at Commodity Classic this past uh, February before the world completely <laughs> changed, <laughs> you know, when we actually still had at right. conferences and we were still able to go to places without being on Zoom calls all the time. But I was there and I was on this panel and it was on, on transition planning and on uh, estate planning and uh, just some of the, some of the things that can happen are heartbreaking and to get your house in order to get everything and be, I think you use this term it, 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 to be, to openly communicate is key in these type of situations and to get everyone on the same page and be completely transparent about what's going on is, is a must for these operations to be sustainable going into yeah. the future. Yeah. The, to me, there's nothing more sad to see when a, the, ownership, you know, belongs to whoever the, the parents and they have not made a plan for their family. And then after they're gone, you see these families being ripped apart by fighting over what's left, you know, that I've seen it happen time and time again, because these parents just chose to ignore it, chose not to acknowledge the fact that they were going to leave this earth one day. And, you know, you, there are siblings who still don't talk because of fighting over yeah. family farms. And so that's the other thing is just, you know, planning for your children so that they can have, you know, a great relationship after you're gone too. Yeah. And one, one of the gentlemen that was on the panel, he talked about, so I think a lot of people talk about the stress of not knowing and the stress of, you know, when are things going to be handed down? Well, this guy kind of came at it from a different angle. And all of a sudden, one day, his dad came to him and his brother, and boom, the farm was theirs. And, you know, they didn't have like, they were like, whoa, you know, what do we do about, you know, so I mean, transparency and open in communications on both ends, like when you're ready, you know, there, there needs to be a buffer period, I feel like where there is an ease and transition yeah. and not just, a, you know, an overnight things type type happen, because, you know, not not wanting to hold on to it for too long, but at the same time, not wanting to get rid of it all of a sudden as well. Yeah, there definitely is, is a happy meeting, a medium and, you know, just figuring out how to do it right for everyone involved and, you know, on the right time frame. And uh, yeah, so I, I agree with you. That's, that's important too. And sometimes, you know, the, this older generation hasn't done a great job of including the younger generation in the management decisions either. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. they literally have no idea what's going on financially or as far as, you know, how much money, you know, how much debt do we owe? Why are we doing things this way? That type of thing. So it, it's definitely good to, to plan ahead for that a little bit and make sure that the next generation is really prepared for it. Because if you just, you know, throw a ranch at someone who's only ever been a hired man, there's a pretty good chance they're going to struggle. Um, and right. you know, you want your, 
you want your children to be successful and do a really great job. And you're not always setting them up for that if you, you know, just turn it over one day. So you're, you're probably familiar with the teachings of Dave Pratt and Ranching for Profit. And, you know, now it's Dallas Mountain. Are you? Yes. Yep. Absolutely. I okay. love what they're doing. Of course. Yeah. I mean, they're like, and, and Dave Pratt, Dave Pratt was actually episode 16 guest of this podcast and him and I had a really great conversation and kind of talked about how, you know, we romanticize ranching and romanticize farming. And we talk about, you know, the, the working the cows and building the fence and doing all of those things. Uh, that's the stuff we like, like we think about, but what we kind of put in the back of the mind is the management side of it and the financial side of it and the dealing with other people side of things, things that, you know, our dads or moms may have not taught us, but are just as important to, if not more, I mean, probably more important to the operation than, than all the actual, you know, normal things that you think about. And, you know, so they're not as quote unquote sexy as those things. So we don't spend (laughs) as much time on them. And that's really, that's, that's scary because they are, they're what can make and break you. I mean, it's not, you know, the actual timing of the vaccinations or, you know, the things that's not what's going to cause you to go under. It's the mismanagement of, of resources. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And, you know, honestly, you can pay anyone to come fix your fence for you. You know, that's not really right. It's good to know. It's great skill to have. I'm pretty good at fixing fence, but I can also pay a high schooler to come do it for me too, you know? So it's, it's one of those things where are you spending so much more time doing the hired man tasks and, are you, and are you not spending enough time doing the manager tasks, you know, the CEO tasks, that's, that's what your role is in that business. And yeah, I completely agree with you. I find that most farmers or ranchers, and they almost use the work as a way to avoid Uh the other Uh things. (laughs) So uh, I'm different. I think I I know I've heard Dave, both Dave and Dallas, the two past CEOs of, of Rancher for Profit, both kind of talk about like these $10 an hour job versus $100 an hour jobs. And, Mm -hmm. you know, which ones do you want to pay somebody to do? And which ones do you want to do yourself? And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, 10, $15 an hour jobs that I can pay my 14, 15 year old son to do. And, you know, he'll do just as good a job as him, Adam, as I can. He can feed the cows mm-hmm. as easily and as efficiently as I can. He can go patch a set of, uh, you know, a fence probably better than I can. He's a lot more <laughs> ma- mechanically inclined than I am. But, you know, to sit down and, and work out the books and work out the, you know, the timing of the grazing, uh, the, the financial, uh, maybe the marketing plan, those kind of things, those things that you make as a CEO of, of, you know, and you have to, I think that's a big thing here is we have to start treating these. If we want these things to be these, these operations to be successful and go on past us, we have to treat them just like they are as a business, not as a hobby, Mm -hmm. as a business. And there's nothing wrong with hobby farming. I don't, I I don't want to, I don't want to discount that at all because some people just do it, it, the stuff that they enjoy. But at the same time, if we want this to be something that we can leave and pass down to our children, it's important that they be profitable and we make the decisions and do the things that ensure their profitability. Yeah. And you know, for some people, it just is simple as blocking off time in the calendar. You know, if you know, every Monday morning you're sitting down and you're doing your management responsibilities and make, you know, make a plan and commit to it. You know, maybe that's what it takes. 
But I know so many guys, they, they'll sit down and they're planning their whole week and it's nothing but, you know, the $10 an hour work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're, we're sitting here tonight. I know. I mean, it's $10 work. I know, but we're going to go work on hay equipment. We got hay season. We'll be here soon, mm -hmm. you know, but at the same time, being able to pass those skills, you know, to my, to my sons to be able to do that so I can go do other things is, is important. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, there's a, there's a new mindset around this instead of just kind of blindly just going through the motions and doing the tasks. Yeah. So I want to give you time and I want to talk about this just a little bit. Obviously, we're going through COVID-19 right now, all the things. Um, mm -hmm. This will be released probably, I, this will re be released in the summertime sometime. I'm not sure exactly when, but the world's still going to be feeling the effects of COVID-19 no matter what um, is going on. And so people are, a lot of people, ranches especially, are, are struggling financially. There's a lot of uncertainty. Mm -hmm. How can a service like yours benefit them in a time like this? You know, some, the biggest thing that we can do is help mm -hmm. you make a plan. You know, if you are feeling uncertain in these times, which most people are, and it's not just the ag industry, but I know we're getting hit hard right now. It seems like we're always the, right. <laughs> the first one to take the hit when mm -hmm. something like this happens, you know? So yeah, just sitting down and, you know, figuring out what do we need to do to make sure that you can pay your operating loan this year? What can we do in the future years to maybe phase that out or have a little bit less debt or um, what can we do to to make you a little bit more money and it's great to me right now I, I'm actually seeing a lot of opportunities for farmers and ranchers as far as the direct-to-consumer mm -hmm. farm-to-table type products and so if you're in a position to take advantage of that I say take advantage of it um, because I think that we're going to start seeing more of a movement of people not just stopping at the Walmart grocery counter and grabbing a pound of hamburger and maybe getting a hold of their local farmer and asking if they've got a pound of hamburger, you know. So I the times are tough, but I think if we can make it through it, we will see a lot of positive changes yep. that will come from it just based on consumer tastes and what consumers are going to start wanting to do. And there's already been sort of a small, you know, farm to table kind of growth happening and it's just exploding right now. So, you know, I mean, I think that make sure that you are in a position to take as much advantage of it as you can. And if you aren't now, then plan on it in the future. Cause I don't think that this, I don't think we're going to see this go away anytime soon as far as the, the more demand for farm to table type food. So there's a quote by John F. Kennedy that I keep reiterating to myself during this whole time. And it says, in a crisis, be aware of the danger, but recognize the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And that's, I feel that's so applicable for right now because yeah, there's things that are, we have to pay attention to the dangers and, you know, what could go wrong, but we can't miss the opportunities. And for, you know, kind of this subsection of America, us as cattle producers, this direct to consumer marketing is a, this may be the future. You know, yeah. this, we may be seeing more of this. And I know that I wished I had done more of that. Um, I do a little bit of it, but I, I feel like I'm going to see a lot of it increase. And, you know, you, obviously you guys are doing that. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm, I'm sure you're, you're seeing the benefits of that right now. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, right now we're sold out, but we are taking pre-orders. And I mean, uh-huh. I had my FedEx guy the other day ask me, do you have a steer to sell? <laughs> so, it, you know, it's just kind of funny that if you've kind of put yourself out there and, you know, it's hard to be vulnerable and it's hard to do something like that. And I don't even think my husband is really comfortable with it now. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of something that I just talked him into and started doing, but it's, you know, it's paid off in spades and we're already taking pre-orders for, for the fall. So, um, it's awesome. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, people are really, uh, recognizing that, and we, there was an article by, it was actually written by Temple Grandin the other day, uh, talked about how, about the big processors and that they are, they're good for what they are, um, but they're fragile. And mm-hmm. when we can add a little bit of this protection, like this direct to consumer marketing, that helps maybe boost up the food supply chain a little bit and not make it so fragile. So, you know, I, I think it's a really, this is a really interesting opportunity for us going forward. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think, you know, myself just being like a natural business person, I'm always looking for the opportunities and things like this. So I hope that other people can kind of start to take that same mindset as me and obviously not take advantage of anything, but you know, you, you've got to do what you've got to do. And now is a great time to be looking into something like that. Yeah. Too bad. You know, you can't go back like four or five months and uh, keep like every yeah. single one of the steers and sell them right now. <laughs> right. I know. And we're all kind of kicking ourselves. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. I know I am. Um, you know, and I, I kind of drag, drug my feet because I usually call the processor about two months before. I'm like, Hey, can I get in in two months? And I mean, that was a chore. Um, I found, I finally found somebody that could get me in the end of July, you know, for five steers to be processed. And, uh, wow, it was just, uh, um, just incredible. Like it's almost a surreal time that we're living in right now. And we're going to look back in 10 years and there's going to be so many things that are normal in the world that changed right now. It's going to be like, like this generation's nine 11, um, Mm -hmm. only I think to a more, a greater degree. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, it'll be great to see too, just as far as like how this is going to affect, you know, local butchers and stuff like that. I would love to see more, you know, there's obviously already more demand for people like that. And I think that just as a society, we are starting to embrace more of those trades again, you know, and, and a butcher, that's a trade, you know, that's something that you have to learn how to do. And it's, you know, so I, I think that that would be really neat to see is, you know, back in the day when there was a butcher in every, you know, in every small town and they, they cut up the meat for everyone. So I think that would be a cool, a cool thing to see too. When that, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's because so much of it, um, it's just, it's already done for you. And to have those, everybody doing the butchering right there in town, like they always said, I, I just, you know, I know it's a bit of Americana and a little <laughs> bit of uh, nostalgia, but I, I mean, I think there's some definite value. Yeah. Yeah. It's like just thinking about the milkman, you know, and, and you see more of that too. You know, I have, I work with dairy clients too, and they, they are also seeing a huge demand for their, you know, fresh milk right right yeah and so like but they're also kind of hampered by the supply chain too just like we are and you know that's 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 really frustrating and difficult when you know that there's cattle and you know that there's milk but the the supply chain has gotten broken somewhere along the way and you know it's really frustrating um but yeah like i said there this may prove as a as a chance as an opportunity yep i think so 
Well, Michelle, I want to be respectful of your time. I know that you uh, have some babies to take care of, and but I want to uh, give you the opportunity to let everyone know where they can find you online. And you know, if they have questions and maybe want to reach out to you for uh, a consultation, um, how they can do that. Yeah, so the main way to contact me is just our website, which is www.patentbookkeeping.com, and patent is spelled with an E. Uh, it's not like general patent. It's, it's the other one. And then also we've got a pretty good Facebook presence and um, we're on Instagram. And so you can kind of find this wherever. But if you want to schedule a consultation, definitely go to our website and um, you can just hit the little contact button and schedule a consultation right there. So Very good. Well, I'll, I'll be sure to link all that in the show notes so people can have easy access after they listen to this to get in contact okay, with you. Perfect. So, well, Michelle, it was really fun. I'm really glad we finally got to do this. <laughs> I know it's been a long time coming. We both had scheduling conflicts come up. Yes. And, uh, this, is, this, was the, this was the third time, right? Like the, we yeah. do miss, you know, it didn't go that way two times <laughs> and then, you know, third time's the charm, right? Yeah. Well, and I'm actually kind of glad because I feel like this is a great time to really right. dis discuss yeah, it, this. So it actually turned out really it well, I think. Out better, yeah, to talk yeah. about, you know, because, you know, when we originally had this scheduled for, you know, I think it was March was the first mm -hmm. time, like, yeah. the world was completely different two months It ago. was, yeah. The day. <laughs> yeah, some things just happen just for a reason. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, yeah. well thanks so much for having me, Jason. I do really appreciate it and um, I'm very excited. Cool. Me too. Thank you. So I lied to you. I actually have two announcements for you. The first announcement is go back on Friday and check out our bonus episode with my friend Trevor Williams of the Farm Traveler podcast. Um, I released it on Friday without a whole lot of um, for foreknowledge of it. So I um, want everybody to make sure and go and check out. We talk a little bit about podcasting and what we've learned on our journey. Um, it's a really cool episode, really cool thing for two friends to kind of come together and, and talk about. It was really, really fun for us. So uh, yeah, go check it out. All right. The main announcement that I have is next week's guest is Sam Goldberg. Sam is the producer of the film Silo. Silo the film is what we what it's come to be known as. And we talk about that film and about what Sam, how he has kind of come from this outside looking in view of agriculture to produce this film and what it's meant to him and what he's learned about the agricultural community. And uh, it's just an, a wonderful, I, and I got the chance to watch the film a few weeks ago and we're going to have at when we initially recorded, recorded the interview, I had not watched the film yet. And then Sam sent me a link to the film so I could watch it. And I watched it and was totally blown away, um, especially by the relationship between Junior and his father. For you, for those of you who have seen the film, um, I could relate to that most out of anything out of the film. So we're going to have kind of a little like sub interview or post interview, uh, to where we kind of talk about the movie specifically without giving away too much. Um, but really excited. So please let everybody, you know, know about this interview because I am so excited about everyone getting to know Sam, our audience getting to know Sam. I know some of you do know him and have, have seen the film and I just really excited for him to be a part of this community. Um, so please check that out next week. Ag State of Mind, my guest, Sam Goldberg, of silo the film so all right thanks again for tuning in this week and we will be back at you next week thanks for listening to ag state of mind we hope this episode has encouraged you 
Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.